laws and the characteristics, the condemnation, and now we finally got to the cure. After all these weeks, we got to the cure. And so James, the fourth chapter and verse number six, he writes, but he gives us more grace. God gives us more grace. And that's why God gives us grace. You don't got to get in the flesh. God gives us grace so we can handle difficulties in the spirit in a godly manner. Amen? God gives us grace that the spirit of the world doesn't have to deceive us and defile us and, and sway us away. God gives us grace to live this Christian life as more than conquerors. Amen? And to go through the battles that we all face, but go through them properly. And God gives us grace. He gives us more grace. And that's why the scripture says, God opposes the proud but gives grace to the humble. Submit yourselves then to God and resist the devil and he'll flee from you. What a wonderful promise. Come near to God, draw near to God, and he will draw near to you. That's another great promise, isn't it? Wash your hands, purify your hearts. All right, that's where we finished last time. And, and, and the thought, but he gives us more grace. God's provided an answer to live this life and to live it like more than a conqueror. And it's called his grace. His grace is sufficient. And the question you and I ask ourselves is, how do I appropriate or put to work the grace of God in my life? And last time we looked at um, 2 Timothy um, 2 and 2, I believe 2 and 1, where Paul says, Timothy, be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus. There's a whole lot of grace in Christ Jesus, amen? But, but Paul said, Timothy, you've got to learn how to tap into it and be strong in that grace. Because a lot of people, if you don't know how to exercise it or receive it or cause it to flow, you can quench the grace of God like you quench the Spirit of God. You, you can grieve, you can do those things, you can live in such a way where you hinder the flow instead of release the flow. And he's given us here about nine different um, exhortations of things that we can do so the grace of God will flow in a strong measure in our lives. I, I need the grace of God. I want the grace of God. I, I don't want to forget this little devil, do you? I need a flow of this thing, amen? I want this thing. I, I mean, I want this thing going. And, and so that's kind of where, where we're at because we need it. And I want it to flow in a good measure. But there's different measures of, of the grace of God. And so we started last time we looking at the first three. And the first three that James gives us is, number one, if I want this grace to flow in my life, I want to tap into the grace. Number one, relinquish control of my life. We see that, but that was verse 7. Submit myself, therefore, to God. i got to submit myself to God, amen? The second one, not just um, relinquish control of my life, but resist the devil. Take a stand against the devil. Don't put up with him. You're not his punching bag, Amen? So on one hand, I'm submitting to God, but I'm not submitting to the devil. I'm fighting him. I'm standing against him with the word and with the faith. And tonight, hopefully, we'll get to number three, restore worship. That's a priority. Draw near to God. Draw near to God. That's the throne of grace. Amen? I mean, if you want to get full of grace, if you want a good measure of grace, you better get to the throne of grace. you got to restore worship. But again, last week, we said, number one, relinquish control of your life. Submit. Fall in rank. Give yourself to Jesus. Surrender, yield to the word, yield to the will of God. Don't, don't resist the will of God, yield to it, let it flow. And we, we simply said, um, one example we gave, you know, Jesus said, come unto me, all you that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you. Now, if we read on a little further, we're going to find out that Jesus said, you can have rest for your soul, but it doesn't come just by asking for it. Doesn't come just by confessing for it. It comes by submitting for it. 
Come unto me, all you that labor. You're burned out. You're tired. You're frustrated. You're sick and tired of being sick and tired. Come unto me, and I'll give you rest. I got rest for your soul. I got rest that'll forgive your sins. I got rest that'll give you a victory in the middle of life's trials. I've got rest. How do I get it? He says, take my yoke upon you. Submit to me. Fall in rank. Let your life be submitted to me so my grace can flow, so I can have my way and my spirit can move in your life. Come unto me, all you that labor and heavy laden. I'll give you rest. Take my yoke. Learn of me. I'm humble and gentle. Then you'll find rest for your souls. Submit your life to me and flow in my word as I teach you to walk and you'll find rest. So number one, if I want the grace of God to flow in my life. I've got to relinquish control and say, Lord, I submit myself afresh to you. Have your way. I'm going to make sure my life is submitted to the will, the word, and the ways of God. Amen? I don't want to resist the will of God. I want to resist the devil because that's the second part now. After I've relinquished control to God, I'm going to resist the devil. Faith is an action word. Amen? And I, there's something I have to do if I'm going to maintain victory in my life. I just can't, you know, God don't just feel sorry for us because we look pathetic sometimes. No, no, God says, listen, I've given you my word. I've given you my equipment. I've given you my promise. Use it and run off old slew foot. Amen. Resist the devil and literally resist in the Greek. It says, take your stand against. Stand up against him. Stand against him. And there's another great promise that he will flee from. From who? Isn't that wonderful? You don't got to call the bishop. You don't, you don't got to call the pope. You know, God, he'll flee from you. If you're a believer and you resist him, he'll flee from you. Isn't that wonderful? Thank God for the prayer line, but sometimes I've got time for no prayer line. That devil's attacking the house. Got to put your foot down and run him out. Amen? Can't get through to that thing. Got a busy signal. Amen? Well, you never get one with Jesus. Amen? And you just take your stand. But when we learn that, we learn that. We learn that. And we said, now, you know, this... We said last time, how do I resist the devil? Well, we know that it's a spiritual battle, and we're to fight it with spiritual weapons. And how do we? We said, number one, we said, um, I want to be effective in resisting the devil. And it's more than just being loud. I like being loud, but I get excited. Amen? I, I'm, I'm excitable. Amen? I, I play ball. I played it exciting. When I eat, I eat excitedly. I mean, I'm just, I do things excited. Amen? So don't bother me about being excited in my spiritual walk. I'm just, I get, but something that I like, I get excited about it. Amen? But just being excited, not going to run off the devil, is it? I got to resist him. How do I resist him? Well, what did we say last time? Number one, living a life of Christian character. But not only did James say stand up against him, Paul said it too. He said, you know what? Put on the whole armor of God so you can take your stand against. And what did he list? Mostly, it's Christian character. A breastplate called right, live righteously. Amen. Put on the helmet of salvation. Think salvation. Speak salvation. Put on the belt of truth. Don't listen to the lies of the devil. I mean, you know, your pants fall down when your belt's not tight. Amen. You get embarrassed when you're not walking in truth. Isn't that true? But when you're walking in truth, put the feet of peace on. Lift up the shield. Then what did we say? There's also, hey, saturate yourself and speak confidently the word of God. Isn't that what Jesus did when he resisted the devil? Man don't live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. And Jesus, how did he resist it? He spoke the word. The devil's going to lie to you. And he's going to put a lie, a fear, or doubt, or some silly thought in your head. And, and, and he's got to get in that brain so you give into it. But faith said, no, it is written, thou shalt not. It is written, God will. You see what I mean? And that's how you resist the devil. We, we live a life of Christian character. 
We saturate ourselves and speak God's word. We pray, and we pray fervently and faithfully. Amen? How, how did he say it in James? The fervent prayer of a righteous man or woman availeth much. How much? Much. I need much help. Amen? I, I, like I said, I don't need to pray to take the garbage out. I just say, boys, get the garbage out. Get with it. Let's go. I mean, I don't need that. So if I'm going to pray, it's something I can't do for myself. Amen? I need the help of God if I'm praying. And so when I pray, I'm going to pray in faith, and I'm going to pray with a zeal and an earnest. The fervent prayer, the earnest prayer of a righteous man is powerful and effective. It runs off that devil. It puts it to flight. Oh, my goodness. How about building our house on the rock? How about living proper doctrine? You know, when Peter used a similar phrase, he says, now, the devil prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. He says, resist him. So James said it, Paul said it, Peter said it. Maybe we get the point here. God wants us to stand against the devil, stand against those attacks and run them off. But he said, standing firm in, what did we say last time? The faith. Not faith. Different than the shield of faith. Shield of faith, we believe in God, we're trusting God, it quenches the arrows. This is something different that Peter's addressing. He's saying, stand firm in the faith, proper doctrine. One of the easiest ways the devil gets a foothold in a home, in a mind, in a marriage, is when we believe false doctrine. When we believe lies and we don't believe truth. When we haven't built ourselves on proper Bible doctrine. He can sway us, he can deceive us, he can defile us. But Peter says, one of the ways that I stand against, I resist the one that's trying to devour the marriage and devour this child is by standing firm in the faith. I'm going to believe proper Bible doctrine and live. Build that house on the rock and that resists him. That stands against him. That pushes away from him. We said last time, one of the ways that you can really stand firm against the devil is by living a life totally given over and consecrated to the Lord. The devil hates someone that is serious about God. Amen? And most of us, you've been walking with God a long time. You've had a chance to backslide if you wanted to. You had a chance to give up on God. We've all gone through trials, but you made up your mind a long time ago. No matter what I go through, Jesus, I'm loving you to the very end. Amen? Even when i got to praise you through tears, I'm going to praise you anyhow. Even when I can't understand you, I'm going to love you and obey you. Amen? And the Bible talks about the overcoming church in the end times, that they overcame the devil, the accuser. He's trying to accuse and defeat. They overcame them by what? The blood of the Lamb, by the word of their testimony, and they what? Love not their lives even unto death. That means they were so committed to Christ that if it was reject Christ or die, they say, kill me. I'm not rejecting Jesus. And when you live like that, hell knows. You're a special creature. Hell waste their time with the backslidden and the tears. Hell knows. Can't mess with that person. That person's made up their mind. They're serving the Lord. No ifs, ands, or buts about it. Sink or swim. They're trusting God. Wow, that's powerful. That resists the devil. I'm telling you, he'll jump on someone else. If he don't mess with that person, he's wasting his time. And how about, oh, we'll leave it there. All right. Number one, relinquish control. Amen. You want grace to flow? Position yourself to receive that grace. Yield your heart to Christ. Give your obedience to the will and word of God. But secondly, activate your faith and resist the devil. Because, you see, as we act, grace is released. As I obey, grace is released. 
Jesus says, stretch forth your hand. Nothing's going to happen until I stretch it out. But when I begin to obey that word, grace is released. Grace is released. Go ahead, Peter, walk. Nothing's going to happen until he lifts out. And then the miracle takes place. And as we begin to act, the grace flows. Amen? So I'm going to act. I'm going to believe God. I'm going to resist the devil. And the Bible says he's going to flee from us. Isn't that a wonderful? Oh, I love that. <sighs> Number three, we're going to restore worship. I want grace. That means I, I, it's smart. If I want grace, I'm going to hang out at the throne of grace. Amen? I, I want to be where grace is. Amen? I want to be where, where grace is abundance. All right? And so what's it say here in verse 8? Verse 8, in the very beginning of it, it says, So now come near to God or draw near to God. And he will. Isn't that awesome? That's why we come to church. I come expecting, amen? Not, not because I'm not, I'm not anything special, but the Bible says if I draw near to God, he'll draw near to me, amen? So when I come to pray, I'm drawing near. He's proud. God cannot lie. Now, obviously, the rest of that verse, I want to make sure my hands are clean and my heart is pure. My attitudes, my actions, my affections are the way they need to be, amen? I mean... But I know when things are normal, I'm walking with God, and I come to draw near to God. He said, I'll draw near to you, son. You don't got to stand on your head and try to control me. Uh, that's, that's what the demon spirits, I mean, that, that's what the heathen do. They got to cut themselves to appease their gods. They got to do crazy things to appease. Nuh-uh. It's been paid. The door's been opened. The blood's been shed. Let us come boldly to that throne of grace. Amen? And so this is very important now. We have already been commanded to submit to God as servants. Now, <laughs> we are admonished to draw near to God as worshipers. If you love grace, I hope you love worship. Because then drawing near in worship is really where you get bathed and saturated by the grace of God. It's something precious. It's something beautiful. This, the words that James uses is the way they would describe the Old Testament priest as they would offer that sacrifice. They'd wash, and then they'd offer that sacrifice. I love this. More than submitting, more than resisting, this is loving. You want the grace of God? Let's fall in love with God. Amen? Let's express that love. Let, let's make sure we spend time in worship, in intimacy, in communion with God. Let's pursue. Let's pursue. See, you, you it's, it's real hard to possess something you're not willing to pursue. You can't just dream it into existence, amen? Somebody wants a business, amen? You can dream for a while, but sooner or later, you got to step out and go at it, amen? Because if you're not going to pursue it, you won't possess it, amen? I, I want to possess a greater relationship with the Lord. I want to possess a greater measure of the grace of God in my life. So I need to pursue God, Amen? I'm going to pursue God. How do I pursue him? I draw near to God. I worship God. I spend time in his presence. I make sure I, I orchestrate my day to give him his proper place. We're looking at this more than submitting or resisting. This is loving. This is worshiping, intimacy, communion with God. Pursue a loving relationship with God. For God desires and rewards our worship and our closeness. Ah, oh, let's look at this. Let's just take some time here. This worship, we talk about from time to time, there are things that God is attracted to. 
there are things that God is repulsed by. We just read verse 6, didn't we? Um, he resists the proud. Proud is eternal. God rejects it. God pushes the proud away. But he gives grace to the where? Humble. When he sees a heart that's humbled and yielded, God draws near. Amen? How many times did Jesus stop everything because he recognized faith? Faith is something that attracts God. God's attracted by faith. Amen? You, you can have 100 people in the crowd, and Jesus said, oh, someone touched him. What do you mean someone touched you? Everyone's bumping in. You ever go into a, a, big, a big place like a coliseum, and everyone's bumping into each other trying to go to a, a ball game or a con- What do you mean, Jesus, someone touched you? Oh, no, someone touched me with faith. See, God recognized that when someone's exercising faith and worship, you know, worship is something, another thing that God's attracted to. And we're going to look at that and see why this point is so important. You want to enjoy the grace of God? Be a worshiper, both in private and in public, in your personal time and in the corporate setting. If you want to enjoy, listen, I remember, must have been Bishop Jakes years ago, he said, God is not a respecter of persons, but he is a respecter of principle. Not a respecter of persons. Doesn't care if you're black or white, rich or poor, PhD or DD, whatever, you know, dumb, 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 dumb. He don't care. God, 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 God's not moved by that. God, God, don't, God doesn't care. Right? Whosoever will can come. Amen? But there are principles that if you obey, you'll get a reward. Of course God doesn't treat everyone the same. It's people don't, don't treat God the same. God treats us in response to how we're treating him. Worship. Practicing worship. You'll enjoy a greater measure of the presence of God, the intimacy of God. You'll know the voice of God better. You'll be more. Let's be honest. If anyone's going to know, um, no one in this room will know Jim better than Millie. It just makes sense. You can't live with someone all these years, totally communing with someone, talking with someone, share and not know them. You know their looks, you know their likes, you know their dislikes, you know their sensitive areas. You, you can tell their look. You don't even have to hear the voice. You can tell by a look. That only comes by being with someone. Amen? And, and you receive from that person things others won't receive, but you've got to be there to enjoy some of these things. And so if you want the grace of God, if you want a greater measure of the presence of God, learn to worship God. Learn to draw near and, and spend some time in the presence of God. Awesome things happen in the presence of God. Wonderful things happen in the presence of God. But, but we've got to draw near. We've got to pursue the presence of God. And this is what he's getting at here. Oh, God has grace for us. And one of the ways we're going to get that grace is by making worship a priority in our life. Number one, let us note Jesus has made and opened the way that you and I can come and draw near to the true and living God. If you have your Bibles, Hebrews 10. Hebrews 10. And we'll look at verse 19 through 22. Hebrews 10. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Isn't God good to us? Isn't the Lord good to us? So number one, folks, Jesus has made and opened the way. Whoever you are, if you're a believer, you can worship God. You can draw near to God. You can come boldly to the throne of God. Amen. You can tap into the grace of God. Jesus has made it so we can do so. Isn't that wonderful? Look at this. Hebrews 10, verse 19. 
Therefore, brothers, since we have confidence to enter the most holy place by the blood of Jesus. Woo! How do we get to the presence of God? By the blood of Jesus. Oh, man. But, but look at verse 19. Brother, we have confidence. We should understand what happened on Calvary. we got to understand this great salvation we have and the glorious privileges that come with it. We can come boldly. We can draw near to God. Whew. The living God. I mean, I can't see. I couldn't, I couldn't see the assistant to the assistant to the assistant mayor without a three-week appointment. But I can draw near to the true and living God any moment of any day. Why? The blood, the blood, the blood. This Jesus has made a way. Oh, aren't you glad you're with Jesus? I'm with Jesus. Amen. I'm with Jesus. Amen. Oh, hallelujah. What a thought. What a thought. Here we go. By a new and living way. They couldn't do this in the Old Testament. Remember the Old Testament? You couldn't get that holy. You'd die. The high priest had it only once a year. And if he wasn't just perfect, boom. This is something fresh for you and I of this new covenant. What an honor we have that we can draw near to the throne of God. By a new and living way, open for us through the curtain that is his body. Man, that cross. Shed his blood on that cross that you and I can walk with God and know God and be close to God. And since we have a great high priest over the house of God, he's there. And come on, you're welcome. I'm here to represent you. Just say, I'm with him. Let us, verse 22, let us. He's made a way. Now he invites us to take the way. Let us draw near to God with a sincere heart. Isn't that beautiful? See, that blood's so powerful. No matter how wicked we were in the past, the blood of Jesus is so powerful that when we repented and called on him, we were purer than pure could be. He, he made us so pure, it's like we never sinned. How powerful that blood is. Amen? So we don't got to worry about being condemned or feeling unworthy. Jesus made us worthy of entering into the holiness. Look at this. Let us draw near to God with a sincere heart and full assurance of faith. Faith that I belong and faith that God will meet me there. He won't put me on hold there. He won't send a minion to talk with me there and try to, you know, come back some other day. He says, if I draw near to him, he will draw near to me. Woo! Having our hearts sprinkled to cleanse us from a guilty conscience and having our bodies washed with pure water. Praise the Lord for that. Oh, praise the Lord for that. Jesus has made and opened the way. This worship, worship, worship. If we'll practice worship, and not, not just being silly, I mean, I mean, we practice entering in the presence of God. It's life changing. It's life transforming. The presence that's supernatural. It's special. It's divine. And there's different measures to this and different ministries of this. So too often we, we just tap to the little, little, little level. There's so many measures of the presence of God. If we'll meet the conditions, if we'll practice the principles, we can enjoy the privileges. Come on, say amen to that. God rewards the sincere worshiper and the one who draws near. Again, is verse 8 a promise or what? Is that a promise? People are like, oh, you sound a cocky. Cocky, nothing. You're a fool. You just don't know your Bible. The Bible says, if I draw near to God, he will draw. Can God lie? Then why should we ever expect God not to meet with us? 
Unless we got sin, we got sin in the camp, then we need to repent of that sin. Got sin in your heart, get things right. Paul said that before you take communion, right? You don't just do spiritual things frivolously, but when you're living right. Are you with me? Whew. Then when you do your devotion in the morning, you expect God to touch your heart. You expect the Lord to speak to you through his word. You expect him to give you a fresh feeling to take that day on and live that life. Amen. When you need a special time with God, you expect him. He, he's not on vacation. He don't have to take a vacation. He's always ready. He's always ready to receive us. Amen. He's always ready to draw near. Oh, man. Let's spend time worshiping. Let's pursue the presence of God. What a promise. Um, here's here's a, a Second Chronicles 15, 1 and 2. Second Chronicles 15, 1 and 2. Again, God rewards. God rewards the sincere worshiper, the one who draws near. God says, I'll draw near to you. And when God draws near to you, man, there are blessings in the presence of God. Spirit came upon Azariah, son of Oded. And he went out to meet King Asa and said, Listen, Asa and all Judah Benjamin, the Lord is with you when you're with him, not the other way around. And if you seek him, he will be found by you. And God, God said, you know what? I'm such a good God, I'm going to let you find me. Because how many know if God didn't want to be found, we, 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 we in a heap of trouble, amen? If God didn't want to be found, we could jump, shout, sing, hyperventilate, fall over, um, you, you know what I mean, like bowling pins. And, and, but God wants to be found. He wants to dwell with you and draw near to you. He wants to commune with you. God wants you to invade his presence. God wants his presence to invade you. And he says, you know what? The Lord's with you when you're with him. And if, there's an if there. But God says, if you'll seek me, you know what? You'll find me. I'll let you find me. If you'll draw near to me, I'll draw near to you. Amen? Sometimes you're tired and you're weary and life hurts and life's not fair. Sometimes I just need to shut the door and get in the presence of God. Lord, I just need to worship you. Lord, I need you. You cry if you want to. Jump up and down if you desire. But just say, Lord, I love you. I need you, Lord. Fill me afresh. Fill me afresh, Lord. I'm at my wit's end, but I know you got grace for me. Amen? The doctor's got bad report, but I know you got a better report. God, God, God. Let's look at this now. Let's look at this. This is it's going to talk to us here. If you would, Psalm 22 and verse 3, and this is the New King James. Psalm 22 and verse 3. Again, when we respond, he responds. When we respond, he responds. Draw near to me and I'll draw near to you. And what happens when God draws near? What happens when God, oh, man, it's awesome when God draws near. <laughs> oh, when God draws near. But you are wholly enthroned in the praises of, he inhabits the praises of his people. New King James, he inhabits the praises of his people. That means when we praise him, God says, I'm going to inhabit that. I'm going to inhabit that. Amen. He says, I walk out. That's, I'm, I'm dehabiting. You know? I'm going to inhabit that. I'm going to sit in the midst of that. God, oh, I hear something. They're praising me. Oh, my. I hear something. They're exalting Jesus. Oh, he goes, I'm going I'm I'm to wrap that around me. You see, God says, I, that, that attracts me. I draw near to that. You see, there's different measures of the presence of God. There's different ministries of the presence of God. God is omnipresent, basic theology, right? God's everywhere. He's different here than he is at the crystal pistol. How many know that? Amen? Isn't that true? Isn't that right? 
is a different measure and a different working and a different blessing that's here, then because we're meeting the principles. One of those principles, let's lift him up. He draws men. Amen? Yeah, all right. But he's enthroned. Let's, let's go real quicker. How about Hebrews 11 and 6? Hebrews 11 and 6. And this is Enoch walking in a wicked world. But, you know, you can walk with God in a wicked world. How about that? Amen? He walked so close with God, one day God says, just come on home. Don't worry, just come with me. And Enoch shoo, went up in a wicked world. You can walk with God. And here it is, Hebrews 11 6. I want the desire and diligence to seek him will be rewarded. Without faith, it's impossible to please God. For he that comes to God, we have to believe that God is and that he is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. Draw near to God, he draws near to me. There's a reward in that. The presence of God brings rewards with it. The presence of God ministers grace to hearts. The presence of God imparts life to us. Oh, man, the presence of God. The presence of God. Things happen in the presence of God. Let me show you one. Acts 13, 1 and 2. Acts 13, 1 and 2. Again, New King James. You know, sometimes people, if you've got to make a decision, get in the presence of God. If you need the wisdom, get in the presence of God. Amen? Call on this one, call on that one. They're, they're as dumb as you are. Get in the presence of God. Isn't that right? Get in the presence of God. If anyone lacks wisdom, let them ask God. Get in the presence of God. How the early church function? They got in the presence of God. What do you think? Paul just heard all of our voices? No, he got in the presence of God. That's why it's so important to worship the Lord. Privately, public worship the Lord. It gives a greater measure of the presence of God. And in the presence of God, blessings flow. In the church, there at top, there are prophets and teachers, Barnabas, Simeon, Niger, Lucia, Cyrene, many, and they had been brought up with Heretic and Saul, blah, blah, blah. Here we go in the next verse. And it says, and as they worship the Lord, as they minister to the Lord. I just like that phrase. The NIV says, as they worship the Lord. But isn't it kind of neat how the phrase is here? As they minister to the Lord. Do you ever think of coming to church as you are ministering to the Lord? No, a lot of times people don't even think that. Think, I'm coming, God's going to minister to me. Come on, get on with the show now. Get me out, now I'm 15. All right, Pastor Todd, get us jacked up. We get us going. Then I hope Sister Christina hits it just right. Oh, that was a good song. No, no, no. I've got to come to minister to the Lord. We need to come minister to the Lord. We're coming to come and let us adore him. Come, let us worship him, bow down, let us kneel before the Lord, our God, our maker. And, and now as we'll, we get to see, we get things out of order. That's why we get limited in blessing. We're out of order. You got to get in divine alignment to really get things flowing. You know, when things aren't aligned right, it hinders the flow. But when things are aligned right, it flows. And sometimes we don't worship, we don't come to minister to the Lord. Let's just stop and minister to the Lord. But then as we minister to the Lord, he draws near. In his presence, there's comfort, there's healing. Hey, maybe there's conviction. Maybe there's, as they ministered to the Lord and fasted, then the Holy Spirit spoke. He said, we always want, give me counsel, give me. Let's get in the presence of the Lord. Let's quiet our hearts. Let's focus on him. Let's get sensitive to him. Then he'll speak. Then he'll bring divine guidance and direction. Now separate me. Barnabas and Saul for the work I called them to. 
the first missionaries sent out didn't come from a committee. They, they came as the believers, ministers, and worshiped the Lord. And God spoke. And then they laid hands, fasted, and sent them out to take the gospel out. But sometimes we get in a rush, and we don't like divine protocol. Amen? Divine protocol. Let's first worship the Lord. Let, let, let's, let's minister to the Lord. He's worthy. How that old song go, let's forget about ourselves and concentrate on him and worship him. And sometimes if we'll do that, if we'll do that, hallelujah, glory to God. Let me keep flowing here. Let me keep flowing here. Psalm 16 and 11. Psalm 16 and 11. Glory to God. Glory to God. You will show me the path of life in your presence is fullness of joy at your right hand or pleasures forevermore. Amen. If you want that thing, get in his presence. Get in his presence. How? Draw near. Draw near and worship. He says, and I'll worship. I'll draw near to you and I'll bless you. Amen. We don't have time to go to Psalm 91. He that dwells in the secret place of the Most High shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty. And I will say of the Lord, He is my refuge, my God, my fortress, and Him do I trust. Oh, my goodness. He that dwells. Now, not just once in a while. I think I'll make a visit to Grandma because I hadn't been there in a while and Dad's getting on my case. No. I'm making it a habit. He that dwells in the secret place. He that makes worship and drawing near, pursuing the presence of God, a habit of your life. He that dwells and shall abide whew, under the shadow, protection and provision. You know, you, you meditate on Psalm 91 and you see all the blessings of security that come into the life of the believer that will dwell, that will draw near to God. Not just 911 drawing near either. Thank God for drawing 911s. We've all had them, amen? In case of emergency, break glass. But sometimes that's the only time some people draw near. we got to make it a habit of our lives. I'm going to draw near to God. I'm going to worship Him. And feed on that word, amen? Sing in the Spirit. Let Him fill me. Listen, I'm, I'm going to tell a couple stories and I'll let you go, but why be in a rush? I'm having a good time, Amen. <laughs> I just want you to remember these things because I'm trying to hit them off one by one. But listen, good things happen when we draw near and enter in and God responds to us. And he promised he would, amen? He's made a way. He's called us to and he's given us a promise. That, listen, if you'll come and draw near to me. Let's look at this. Good things happen in the presence of God. We note that. Number two, we note there are different measures and depths of his presence and his working. The ministry of God's grace is found in a rich measure in the presence of God. In the presence of God. Now, there, there's, there's, there's the gradual working of God's grace in our lives. What do you mean the gradual? It's the personal, private, regular times that we just draw near to our devotion. Worship the Lord. Feed on that word. The presence of God works in us daily. Amen. You and I woke up one day and we said, man, God's brought us a mighty long way from the time we first got saved, hadn't he? Whew, right? And, we, and there might have been some major boom encounter, but for the most part, you know what? It was a gradual. We made drawing near in the pursuit of his presence our habit. We dwelled in the presence. We fed on that word. Isn't that right? We, we, we communed with God. He drew near to us and he worked in us. 
and we saw changes take place gradual. We saw glorious things, that transformation, right? We don't think the way we used to think. Our affections aren't what they used to be. Oh, man. But then there's also, besides just the personal, private, regular times of, uh, of waiting on the Lord, there's sometimes the immediate, corporate, powerful, special times when God's presence moves. And there's the manifestation of a greater measure of the presence of God. There's a greater and a lesser measure in working of the presence of God. The ministering and moving of God's spirit. And listen, we have a role to play and conditions to meet. That's what I want to get at here. There, there isn't such a thing called a corporate anointing. But then there's also personal responses. And both of them make a difference in receiving from God. Corporate anointing. The corporate power. Say that corporate power. You, you, you know, when you can get into a service where people are praising God and faith is corporate anointing. There's a greater anointing when you get people gathered that are seeking God, calling on God, worshiping God. Power things happen. But then also, wonderful things happen when people respond to the presence of God. I mean, Jesus walking through a crowd, nobody's getting anything. But one lady says, I'm bleeding to death. I need to get a hold of his garment. Amen. The rest of them thought there was a parade. Blind Bartimaeus says, no, they're more than a parade. This is my lifeline right here. I'm stopping him. There's a response. There's a response. Amen. Hey, there's corporate and then there's personal. But power of God wants to move. I remember testimonies that, you know, um, one church, they had a women's conference. You get a couple hundred women together and they, they'd praise the roof down. You, you, get, you get two, three hundred women and they don't got kids to worry about. <laughs> They're all at home with the men and they can just come and worship God. I mean, they just about, they, they should bring the house down. But I've got testimonies, Pastor. One of those things, I had migraines for years and years since I was a teenager. And in the middle of that thing, I just felt some hand come upon me. No one prayed. I mean, they're praising God. Just the presence of God so strong. Miracles. That happened. I, I could be with Brother Shambach, not even when he's laying hands on people. I can remember standing on the steps at a theater. So nobody had come up here and he took the whole group down. Didn't have room in a theater out there in Mobile or somewhere out there. He couldn't lay hands on them all. So he brings them down to pray one prayer. And I'm here and they're down here. and He's there. He hits that prayer with the name of Jesus. And something hit me. I had to grab on so I didn't fall. And like a split second later, everything hit them. I mean, you could tell it just came. Nobody laid hands. Five fell here, three over there, two went here. I mean, nobody. Power got everywhere. People getting up, I can hear people. I just, something special happens. But now, listen, I'll tell you another thing. God, not only the corporate anointing, but that personal response of faith. You, you want to draw a miracle from the Lord? You want to get something from God? That's why I, I believe for the altar time when we pray, that special things happen here because people are responding. There's an act of faith on people's parts. I'll never forget when I was a kid, 19 or 20, came back from Bible school in Pastor Beach. Um, he knew I had an evangelistic heart. He said, a young, another young guy I know has a tent. He wants to bring it up, and we're going to put it up. And I asked him, I told him we had you and Alan. Alan do some singing, and maybe you can preach every other night. 
And I said, all right, and we're just kids, 19. And so they put that tent up. They only seated 150, a couple hundred people. It was nice, right? We're having church. Well, you know, they put us in the paper, all right? I mean, 19 years old. So local paper, so all the people you've grown up with all your life, baseball coaches came out to listen. I mean, it's one time I didn't know. One of my, one of my best friends, his mom brought his grandmother out. Now, she, she had been, and she'd never been to a Protestant service in her life. She grew up, you weren't allowed to. But I didn't even know they were there because um, Nani, she, her, her feet had been so swollen for like two or three weeks, she couldn't put shoes on. So she's in her stockings, sitting out there in her big old, her daughter's driving her caddy, and I didn't know they're out there, but they can see him. It's with the flaps on the tent were up. And when the time came to pray the prayer, I didn't know any of this. We were here praying for people. Nani, never been to a Pentecostal service in her life. As a step of faith, she got out of that car and her stocking feet out there and the straw, and she bowed her head as I prayed. You believe they went home, put her shoes on, completely healed by the power of God. The preacher didn't even know what was going on. Had nothing to do. A lady's faith responded to the presence and the promise of God. Isn't that wonderful? Oh, man, I tell you, God, God, I never get, we had a special prayer meeting in my first church, all right? Well, I don't know what it was. I don't know what the problem was, but a special prayer meeting. Um, and some guy shows up. And I got to be honest, I'm saying, I wonder what he's doing here. <laughs> now, he was a good guy, but you know, he barely come to Sunday mornings. You know what I mean? He's like, I never, you know, <laughs> and he never came to a midweek to come to a special prayer meeting. I'm just being honest with you. You know, you're 31, you're 32, you still got your rough edges. I'm thinking, like, oh, in the world, I, hey, God bless him, nice guy and everything. I know he didn't mean any trouble, but I was just surprised. But we have our prayer meeting. I mean, there, there, there couldn't be this many people there, you know, maybe a little less than this. And we prayed, had a good old time, always had church, amen? You know, I mean, I don't care if we were in a warehouse, the four of us, we always had church. We had church. One thing we've always done, I'm going to have church. And um, so we had prayer meeting. I find out that next week, while he's praying, I don't know anything about this. Some 20 years, I, I found out why he had all them problems. He was always sickly. About 20, some, 15 years earlier, he'd gotten a terrible car accident. Hit his head. He, and it had messed him up mentally. And he had to take medication, messed him up. And he said, as he was sitting there praying, he had a lump on his head for 15 years. The presence of God came down. Pushed that lump back took away those headaches, took away that lump. I didn't know about it three days later. No one prayed. It wasn't a special word. He, a man responded to seek the Lord. A man responded to meet with God. God honors faith when we respond. When we draw near, he draws near. What a God we serve. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Isn't God great? All right, that's it. Father, we thank you for the privilege of your presence. We thank you that we can come with confidence to the throne of grace. But Jesus has shed his blood and made the way. And we can come and draw near to you and worship you and pour out our hearts to you and receive fresh fillings from you, receive comfort and joy and peace from you. Lord, we thank you. Help us to practice your presence. Help us to be faithful in drawing near to you, in dwelling in the secret place of the Most High. Let that be our habit. Let that be our consistent practice. And we thank you for your presence and all the wonderful things you do 
through the ministry of your grace. In Jesus' name, and all God's people.